You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast we interview actors, casting directors, writers, filmmakers, agents, managers, anybody involved in the entertainment industry, and we put them into a little podcast, put it on iTunes for you. Yeah, and we've got uh, part one of a two-part interview with Taryn O'Neill, and she's got some great stuff to say about uh, sort of producing your own work. Um, and that whole thing, it was another one of those interviews where like we finished and we were like, man, we could have talked to you for another, you know, hour and it would have been, you know, all good stuff. Um, so, uh, look forward to, to that. We got a lot to talk about this episode, don't we? Yeah, we've got our we got a, we got a couple voicemails, a couple emails. We haven't caught up on what we've been up to. I only know a little bit about what you've been up to, and um, and we have our picks of the week to talk about too. Yeah, I'd much rather have too much to talk about than too little. Yeah, so let's jump right into it. Um, I know a little bit about what you've been up to, but I don't know the details. Uh, so you you were shooting so, some films. Yes. Yeah, so the war cycle closed, and the next weekend. I shot a short film, and then the weekend after that, I shot another short film. Two completely different roles, completely different um, crews, completely different uh, scripts, completely different everything, um, which was amazing. And uh, believe it or not, they were both shot on Canon uh, 7Ds, and the footage just looked fantastic on both. Yeah, I had you so put much- out a still shot on Facebook <clears throat> I was, or Twitter that I was like, holy shit, that looks awesome yeah i have so much like i have so much to talk about i mean the the main the main thing was i just was so impressed with how professional both sets were Mm -hmm. because you know you hear all these nightmare stories where people kind of go and they they do a student film or they do a short film and they kind of show up and it's like you know nobody knows what they're doing and the quality ends up being bad and um, you know, I was talking to one of my, I was talking to the, what do they call it? Co-stars? What do you call it? I, I, Coast, was, I was going to say, me, I was going to say cast meet, but that's, that's theater. <laughs> that's theater, term. my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Co-star. Um, yeah. One of my co-stars in one of the first films and he told me this, like, you know, I, I was like, I have never had a nightmare story when it comes to short films. Cause I really haven't done that many. I mean, the only other one I've done besides these two, honestly, was the one that you and I did, Trev, the, um, one called attraction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. where I only had like, you know, three lines or whatever. Um, and he said that he did a, he did a short short film uh it was a student film in new york it wasn't an nyu student film but it, it was a student film in new york and i guess they were using a dat recorder for the sound and, yes yeah. and the second and on the second day halfway through the second day he heard somebody the director or the audio guy somebody just went oh shit <laughs> And he was like, "Oh, great! What's going on over there?" So he went over there, kind of like figure out what's going on. And they and he they had just figured out halfway through the second day that they hadn't record recorded any audio. Oh no! In a really? day and a half's worth of shooting. So like, 
which is just ridiculous. Because, like, why didn't you just check at the end of the first day, if nothing else, you know? Yeah. So he just peaced out, and he just walked off set and never went back, which I don't blame him for at oh. all. But, you know, there's all these, like, nightmare stories, and everybody was so super professional on both sets. The quality of the, the video was amazing. I can't wait to see them myself, let alone show them to other people. I'm really excited to um, add the footage to my reel, all that stuff. Now, how did you get those? It, weren't these was, – was this through the war cycle somehow, or one of them No, was, no, 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 no. They were both offers, which was amazing. Um, the first one was just written by, um, uh, co-produced by and starring uh, a friend of ours who we've actually worked with at the ensemble, um, although it's been a while since he's done a show with us. Um, this guy named Chris. Um, oh, yeah, and, that's and right. And then the second one was just totally random. It was a, the brother of a guy that I work with. The, bro- the brother of a guy that I work with wrote and directed it, and he was asking um, him and... Um, this girl that also works with me, uh, you know, if they knew anybody who could play older, who might pass for Russian, who might be able to do a Russian accent. And so she was like, well, I have this friend, AJ, she showed me, um, him my website and he was like, I like his look. If he can do a Russian accent, you know, I'm totally willing to cast him. And you had just done a Russian accent in a play. You yeah. Were, well, we, right? t- I yeah. talked about, you know, behind the gates, that play that I stepped into earlier in the year where I actually had to speak Russian. Yeah. Let alone do yeah. a Russian accent. I was I was speaking Russian. So I was like, yeah, I can totally do that. So it brought up all this different all these different talking points. But I'll try to distill it down to just a few. The, the main one being the entire, well, not the entire, but about half the crew for the first film, especially not so much the second one that I did, but for the first first film especially, about fifty percent of the crew. I know the first AD, the second AD, and a bunch of the PAs all came. From Craigslist. They were working for free. Well, or, everybody or was working. Lunch, everybody or... was working for, for food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, that's not something we've really discussed on the podcast before. You working know? for free? Uh, no, we've talked about working for free. I'm talking about Craigslist. They literally, the, the producers put out this thing. We're looking for these crew positions. And they took basically people's resumes. And they were like, oh, this person looks like they know what they're doing. And, and just totally trusted that they would. And they did. Everybody who came on that that came from Craigslist was super professional, knew what they were doing. Like it was a, a big surprise, I guess. Cool is is what I'm trying to say. That's awesome. Um, and uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Um, you know, got to watch the dailies after each day. Um, you know, uh, you learn so much about you know being on set and you know the the terminology and stuff. It, it all seemed very. I, I, it seemed very instinctual to me, but at the same time, there's a lot of um, vocabulary mm-hmm. that you're just not used to hearing. And you know, both both films were shot out of sequence, like you know most films are. Um, both you know um, had had to be very specific. You had to be very specific with hitting your mark because they were using fixed lenses on the cameras. Right. Um, there was all this just all this different stuff. I, I, I really felt like I learned. A ton. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot. Go for it, because you did this to me a couple episodes ago, and I've been waiting for to get my revenge. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Your nugget of wisdom, your one thing that you that you can take away from this. I'm sure uh, you, you have like 20, but the one that you could take away. This is this is interesting because this kind of flies in the face of what we talked about about the facial expressions in the last mm. the last episode. Mm-hmm. Trust that what you are thinking is being portrayed. It must have helped so much to see dailies. 
you know, um, especially coming yeah. from a, from a well, theater it's interesting background. because a lot of people at the end of the day were like, Oh, are you sure you want to see these? Isn't it bad luck? Like, like almost like seeing, you know, the bride before the wedding or something. Like it was bad luck. I was like, what? Why is everybody so like, yeah. you know, bent out of shape about this? But I was more impressed with the quality of the video um, than anything else, than really concerned about, you know, how my acting was. And I just remember thinking the entire time having this theater background, like, don't go too big, you know, right. just be very relaxed. And I think that was the huge, was that I was very, very relaxed on both sets. The first weekend was, two, there were two overnight shoes, shoots where we worked from like 6.30 p.m. to like 5 a.m. Mm. So people were tired, all the all the background people who, you know, also showed up just from calls out to Twitter and stuff. Daniel Pierce showed up. Oh, that's One cool. of our podcast yeah. listeners, I put a call out on Twitter. Um, they were like sleeping, you know, on couches, watching movies, falling asleep to like, you know... Uh, Team America, World Police, and stuff, right, you know, or right, Ghostbusters, right. just you know, falling asleep and like pe- you know, you're sleeping between takes, and and it, it was just it was kind of incredible that people stuck around that long and were there overnight, and uh, and I just wanted everybody to kind of I wanted the people to keep their spirits up, keep their energy up because it would have been so easy to let the evening get to you, let the overnight get yeah. to you all of that yeah. stuff people get cranky yeah exactly yeah. and so i did i i wasn't really thinking about it because i was just you know like i said just kind of being myself but both directors in their in their sort of thank you emails to me thank me for my attitude on set and the reason i'm even talking about that is because that directly translated into me being very relaxed once the camera started rolling because hmm. i knew everybody's name and i knew they were taking care of business and I didn't have to worry about it. That's the other thing about walking onto a very professional set that's so nice is you just get you get to walk on and just be an actor. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to worry about anything else. You can if you if you are want to be cool, like Bonnie Gillespie was saying, like, you know, she's the type of actress who will like pick up a you know, pick up a cable and carry it from there to there yeah. without being yeah. pretentious about it or whatever. Yeah. And I and I would help out, I would move, you know, lighting rigs and, and do what I could. It's but always it's, nice when they're like, no, 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 you sit down. Exactly. We got this. Exactly. And that's what I was just about to say is that I didn't have to do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were more than willing to be like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Blah, blah, blah. And all I had to do was show up and act for I, both of I love that. I love that when you, because that's the difference between an amateur, an amateur crew, I think, and a professional crew, actors included, is that everybody kind of knows their job and they all recognize Who's doing what? Yeah, and who's doing like you know an actor? It's like oh well, all you did was say a few lines, and now you're sitting on that couch, and you can't. Move. We're lifting heavy stuff, but it's like just a different kind of work. Yeah, and they all honor that. You know, right. that's I love that when that right. when that happens. It's just this respect all over the place. Yeah, well, yeah. And speaking of like being <laughs> exhausted doing acting, uh, you know, my the the girl who played opposite me in the in the second film. She had to do a scene where. Um, the director like literally asked her to cry. He's like, I know this is like very cliche and like blah, 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 but I need this scene with you on the couch, like crying. It's going to, it's going to help tell the story of the film. And mm-hmm. he's like, so what we're going to do is we're going to keep a skeleton crew here on set. We're going to make everybody else leave so that no one else is around except for you, me, the DP and the camera. And, and, and that way you can have, you know, some private time. And it was the last thing they shot that day. And so later on Facebook, she messaged me and she goes, I'm so exhausted after that scene Mm. 
And so, like you said, it, it really is just a different type of work. But it was so nice just to be and I just to show up on set and do my job. Yeah. And it and I was very relaxed and it totally came through. Like I saw the dailies and I was like, that is good footage. That looks really good. Awesome. And I'm very relaxed. So my nugget is to just trust, 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 trust that you're enough. Hmm. You know, trust that, 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 that what you were bringing, what you were thinking is coming across, because if you don't trust yourself, you're going to go too big or you're going to project, or you're going to do something that, um, is, um, not only out of character, but is going to look pushed. It's going to look forced. Anyway, that's what I've been up to, but how about you, Trev? What have, what have you been up to lately? I had an interesting few auditions this week and I kind of wanted to pose, a question to our listeners, just just based on some stuff that I experienced. I don't want to go into too much detail, um, but we haven't really talked about this in the podcast. What, where do you, how do you handle uh, scenes or projects that maybe are somewhat outside your comfort zone for whatever reason? Like for me, I know that in the case of these projects, there's there's you have to take into account past personal experiences. Um, past career experiences? Is this something I've done before? Do I still feel challenged by this kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm thinking specifically of like, you know, intimate scenes where you have to make out with somebody or a simulated sex scene, or maybe you're a girl and you're asked to take off your shirt, or maybe you're a guy and you're asked to make out with another guy and you're, you know, you don't swing that way or, or maybe you're a girl and you're asked to make out with a guy that you don't want to make out with. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? There's a whole host of, of things, but like I, I kind of was confronted with, this dilemma this week in a, in a series of auditions. And I, I wanted to know what you thought, what our listeners thought, um, and maybe just kind of open up that conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, it's funny cause I, I, I've had, when I go to the CD workshops, very often people will ask this exact question. They're like, what if, what if it calls for a kiss? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, different cast directors have different answers to that. But, um, yeah, I was asked to take my shirt off at an audition once. Um, and I did it, and it just seems so, like, arbitrary. Like, I don't know. I, I was so uncomfortable with it, I just made fun of it. And, like, it got a couple of laughs from, like, the other actors there. But, like, you could tell that the producers and the director and stuff were pissed because I wasn't taking it seriously. Mm. And so I don't know if I burned any bridges or whatever, but I just kind of walked out being, like, there was no reason for, you know, for that to be taking place. Anyway, I probably didn't handle it the best way. But, yeah, you know... <sighs> The the thing is, I mean, my 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 key response to this is that it, there's no way to psychologically prepare yourself for it because no other profession really asks for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, be in like a really uncomfortable, super intimate situation. Mm-hmm. Go with strangers in this mm-hmm. in the room with you. Go. Yeah. You know. And yeah, as actors, that's what we're asked to do. But that's but that's what I mean is that like as actors, that's what we're asked to do, not as Plumbers, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or you know, yeah. and, and here, here's here's the other thing: it can, it can go both ways. You can be asked to have an intimate scene with somebody that you don't want to have an intimate scene with, or you can be asked to have an intimate scene with somebody you think is kind of hot, and you're kind of down with having an intimate scene with, you know. And then all of a sudden, that goes somewhere it shouldn't go. There's there's yeah, it's, and it's then either way, man. and then either way, it's it's affecting your your acting. Uh huh. Yeah, hmm. so I mean, it's it's a slippery slope, and you you got to start to you got to start to think. Like for me, I, my criteria is: is this does this serve the story, or is this just you know sex for sex's sake in the script? You know, 
not necessarily a sex scene, but sex as as a as a as a as a vehicle. You know, I, right, um, right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like a yeah. like a thing to sell something else. Like so, if it's artistic and it's for the right reasons, I'm actually all for that kind of thing. But if it doesn't strike a chord with you, if you read the script and you think, you know, this this is just not. This is just not speaking to me in any sort of artistic way. It just feels exploit- exploitative or that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Then it's like that's where I kind of draw the line. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's so many different kind of shades of gray around this. Yeah. I'm sure that there's going to be a contingent of our listeners that have had to deal with this because it just seems like something that you hate to hear about, but that probably happens more often than you'd like for it to happen. So if you've had an experience like this where you've had, you've been uncomfortable, I mean, even if it wasn't something that was necessarily exploitative or something that was necessarily like outside of the bounds, but it's just outside of your bounds, I guess is the important thing. If you've had an uncomfortable situation, um, call us, uh, email us, get in touch with us in some way and, and let us know what that experience was all about. So we have a. Uh, we should do our picks of the week real fast, and then okay. we've got a couple email questions and voicemails, and then we got to jump into this interview. Yeah, it's rock and roll. So, so what's your pick of the week? My uh, pick of the week. Uh, I had two actually, but I'm going to go with the one that, that requires a little less discussion because I know we've got a lot more to talk about in this episode. Um, so my simple pick of the week is eight, <laughs> is eighttracks.com. It's just a really cool website where people can kind of go on, and I think that the subtitle for the uh, the website is handcrafted internet radio. And that's exactly what it is. It's people that go on there and you, you, you make a mix of songs that you find on the internet and it's limited to eight tracks and you have a little profile and it saves all your mixes and you can follow people and like their tracks and embed their mixes on blogs and stuff. So it's like a social networking thing for like indie music people. It's really cool. I just recently discovered it and every morning I just kind of go on and I find somebody that looks like they have a cool profile and I click on a mix and just minimize the window and do my work to like some handcrafted internet radio nice yeah it's cool it's nice. cool i set up a uh, profile so if anybody i haven't made any mixes yet but if anybody wants to follow me it's uh just tr algot Tralgat. there you go well and we'll also put a link to the website on sure. our website yeah. yeah so go check that out um my pick of the week is uh well i had two two as two also two okay. two two right as on. well um and two, uh two i don't know which one is the more simpler one <laughs> But you know what? I'll go with the one that is a little bit more time sensitive, um, and I can maybe I'll save the other one for for next week's episode. But um, I went and saw this week. I went and saw the town. Oh yeah, the Ben Affleck movie, the new Ben Affleck ben film, great things uh, about co co written by him, directed by him, and starring him. Um, here's the thing. This is why this is my pick of the week, actually, and I'm probably going to regret this. You know, when the podcast blows up and. Mm-hmm. We're getting people like him on our podcast, but I don't like him very much. I'm not the I biggest talking about. I'm not the week. biggest Affleck fan. Okay, I, I've never really um, liked his choices a, a, as an actor. Um, not only in terms of like the movies he picks, but I just you know have never found him very intriguing on screen. The town for me shall heretofore be known as the Affleck Redemption. <laughs> I remember you saying this, yeah. Because it's awesome. it seriously completely changed my opinion of him. Because yeah. not only is he excellent in it as an actor, 
but it's well directed too cool and well written so basically he's got the trifecta in this movie and it just completely like i was like all right that takes a lot too when you've made up your mind about somebody and then they you know for them to actually change your mind it must be damn good yeah it's definitely something i had my mind made up about and and it was and it was changed so that is um uh two there's a twofold reason for my pick of the week one is the fact that the movie is just pretty damn good and the Affleck redemption issue. <laughs> cool. So we have a uh, we have uh, a voicemail we wanted to play today, right? We have we have two voicemails and like three emails, but I think we're only going to cool. get to like I don't know one of each. Uh-huh. Um, so let's just talk about this uh, email. Really quickly, um, this comes to us from uh, uh, Randy Raphael or Wonder Randy. If you're on, who uh, who was awesome and came to see the war cycle? Yes, and he did. did. And he 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 hung out in the standby line and totally got in. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah. He came to see. What did he come to see first? He came to see like I think Nation, he of, Nation two, of Two, and, and then, then he stuck stayed, around stayed for, for gospel, gospel and somehow got a ticket. So that was pretty incredible. So thanks, Randy, for coming to see the very cool. The, and then this email. <laughs> It came to us literally like an hour and a half after we posted this episode. So like he must yeah. have like saw that we posted it, listened to it, and then wrote out this pretty extensive email responding to it. It's pretty amazing. So yeah. thanks for that, Randy. But um, I'm just I'm not going to read it off. I'm just going to go over some of the finer points, and we'll, we're going to kind of respond to it. Um, he talks about the whole John Sudol thing that we've mm-hmm. that somehow stretched over three episodes. He took a workshop is, from him, um, and a the, free yeah, and the yeah. reason that he talks about it is because he took a free workshop through another service which we have been plugging recently called Actorated.com. Yeah, so. Actorated, I guess, somehow puts together these free workshops. He's done one with John Siddall. He did another one with our guest, David Lawrence. Yeah. So um, he talks about the workshop with John Siddall and the whole facial expression thing, which is so interesting that that this is out there and exists. Um, uh-huh. It's like <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Well, it's like I can't, It's like I'm on the fence about. It. It's like all these people are talking about their great experience with it, and I'm so skeptical. And it's like, should I just do it and you know, will my mind be changed or will I have more to say about it after I take it? I don't know. So, um, but more importantly, uh, is this service actorated, which is starting to become more and more useful because before it was just like, you know, yeah. Oh, you want a headshot photographer or you want this, that, the other thing you go onto this website and look for, um, services for actors rated Mm -hmm. and reviewed by actors. Right. And now it's like they're Giving away free workshops and there's all this other stuff going on in the discount website. card you can get and everything. Yeah. yeah. My voiceover demos business is set up on Actor Rated and I just missed the deadline for that to give discounts with that card. I want to see if I can get on it. So so if you have that card, you can get a discount. <laughs> this kind of voiceover demo from me. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Um and we were actually featured in their most recent uh newsletter. Do you have that yeah. pulled up yet? Uh I, I I don't have the newsletter pulled up, but it was pretty cool. We were just a featured, uh, a featured business. Yeah, it was like, a, what was it, like the for good for networking, networking I think, or yeah. something? Yeah. Which is kind of awesome because, you know, we, I always want to feel like we're bringing people together. And Randy is one podcast. of the people who recently reviewed us on Actor Rated. He's oh, one of the rev- cool. recent reviewers, which is pretty cool. So thanks um, for that, yeah. Randy. Um, he also thanked us for uh, the Gary Vaynerchuk tip you like the james leo ryan interview mm-hmm. and then he also talked about um the young and beautiful the young issue. and beautiful issue 
Yeah. You want to talk about that? Well, I, this is great, and I love this stuff. He, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from his email here, and I hope this is okay, Randy. Um, he says, I'm so glad I'm not young and beautiful. <laughs> I would be lost in the crowd of beautiful people in L.A. My God, there are a p- lot of pretty people here. They all look the same. I'm grateful that I don't look like any of them. I'm in my 40s, and then he kind of goes on to describe himself. Um, and he says, you know, I'm not going to play the romantic lead in a Drew Barrymore movie, but I do see myself playing thugs, homeless guys, bartenders, rednecks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm working on honing in on the, on the tough guy type, going to the gym, looking into martial arts classes. I think this is awesome. There are a lot of good looking people in LA. A lot of them do look the same. That's not to say everybody does, but I mean, like I, I know where he's coming from. It's easy to just kind of clump everybody together. I, as I've done many times. But um, I love that he just kind of honed in on what he could do and could do really well. It's a sniper rifle. It's exactly what he's doing. Did you leave out my favorite part? What's your favorite part? <laughs> the end of that paragraph. Did you leave it out? I don't know. Did I? Where he talks about, it's like, I'm going to the, you said all the things, going to the gym, taking martial arts classes, etc. So uh-huh. I can beat the shit out of those pretty boy actors <laughs> on television. That's what he said. <laughs> That's literally my favorite part of that entire email. It makes yeah. me so happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that's really, I mean, that's so cool. I, I love hearing from people like about that kind of thing. Cause it's like, it just, it's, it's inspiring to us to hear about people that are taking targeted action on their career. Partially we'd like to think as a result of what they hear on the podcast. Amen. Oh, spe- oh, dude, you can't even believe how good of a segue that is. So, this voicemail comes to us from longtime listener, probably been listening to the podcast since episode one, Evelyn Obert. Yeah. Who started out as Stephanie Overhensley when she first started mm-hmm. listening to the podcast. I love her name change, by the way. I think it's, it's amazing. I think it's awesome. It's great. And she has been kicking ass. She's been getting so many auditions recently. Um, and it's so cool. And she just, it's awesome because she just says this voicemail just kind of keep us updated. So, uh, this is her just kind of talking about how things have been going recently. Hey guys, this is Evelyn Ober, the actress formerly known as Stephanie Oberhansley. <laughs> and, um, I'm calling to have a question and I wanted to give you a brief update on what's been going on in my acting life. Um, well, I got my headshots back in August and I started submitting myself September 1st, which I was really excited. Um, I got my first audition September 3rd, and I actually booked the very first audition I went to. And I, uh, Boom, shakalaka. I September 4th, <laughs> so it was pretty quick. I was surprised and very happy. So awesome. I'm doing a play down in Hollywood off of uh, Sunset called Dark Side of the Moon at the Next Stage Theater. Yeah, I know um, that is. I've I had stages, a yeah. lot of auditions. I've had about, let's see, I've had about 30 auditions this month. 30 auditions and in a month. boy, Shit. it's a lot of running around. But that's I'm like having one a day. Excellent time! I'm having so much fun. I that's that's a high rate of auditions. I've never yeah. been more satisfied with what I've been doing with myself. Um, but my question is, I've been going to these auditions and rehearsals, of course, um, and I've been meeting a lot of different actors with a lot of different ideas of what exactly it means to be successful. And I know that this is totally a matter of opinion. And it'll vary from person to person. But I found that a lot of people that I have talked to measure success as an actor as, well, when I'm famous, mm. when I'm a millionaire, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when everybody in the world recognizes my face, then, then I'll be successful. And it, to me, that's just, it doesn't seem like, you know, I, not many people are going to get that, that high up in the career. What is your opinion? At what point... Do you consider yourselves 
or did you consider yourself a successful actor? Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Is very, in order. Very cool. And a great question, too. Uh, that's How do a you little measure bit success? Of, a little bit of a noodle biker. And we, we've talked about this on the podcast, we like, indirectly quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But... Um, no what, what's your initial, what's your, what's your, your gut response to that question? I have a couple. The first one is like the fact that somebody called a number into a podcast that I created with a re- very good friend of mine to ask me that question. That's a pretty good measure of success. <laughs> yeah. As far as I'm cool. concerned, you know what I mean? Like it's a good feeling. You and I just like, we saw, you know, that this was going on in other pl- parts of the country and, in and, uh, in other demographics. And we are like, Oh, we want to start something like this. Yeah. So we did. We're getting very close to our year anniversary. Don't want to give anything away about that, but we're getting very close to that. We're starting to move into different avenues here. And, um, you know, <clears throat> we're not making any money doing it, but it's pretty successful as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, th- so that's reaction number one. Reaction number two uh, comes back to my pick of the week from last week, which is the Gary Vaynerchuk mm-hmm. um, book, uh, the crush it book because he talks about in that book about happiness a lot and you know what makes you happy and he talks about the idea that when you can be 100% happy 100% of the time doing what you love and you're able to support yourself doing that that's success whether you're making you know $12,000 a year or $120,000 a year mm-hmm. you know it don't, it shouldn't matter because mm-hmm. you're happy yeah so to me, that's what success will be for me is when I can be doing what I love 100% of the time and I'm happy doing that 100% of the time and I'm able to support myself. Because mm-hmm. right now, like mo- most actors, we did a whole episode on thrival jobs. Most actors, most artists, we have the uh, the golden handcuffs mm-hmm. that I refer to, you know, which yeah. is that that job that you have to have because you have to pay, pay the bills and survival or thrival is, is it should be MO number one because you have to live, you have to eat, you have to, you know, have a home of some kind and, uh, and you have to have certain tools at your disposal in order to, you know, be a successful, um, human being, let alone a successful actor. Yeah. That's very true. My hope for myself and what I'm really trying to go after right now, and I know you feel the same way, Trev, because we've talked about this. My hope is that I will be able to do that, have that uh, monetary stability, doing something like the podcast, acting, commercial acting, film and television, stage, whatever it is, that the money stream is coming in um, and supporting me because I am doing what I love 100% of the time. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important to clarify too. That, I mean, doing what you love a hundred percent of the time doesn't necessarily just mean one thing. Oh yeah. You know, like I love acting. I love writing. I also might love running a restaurant, you know, like if I, if I'm acting 20% of the time and running a restaurant 80% of the time, which I think is pretty realistic for a working actor in LA, that's successful too. If I'm enjoying it, and this is a tough one too, because it's like you have to define success on, a, on an evolving basis for yourself based on your current resources and your current situation. Because if you are living your life constantly in a state of non-success, you know what I mean? 
Like if you're saying like I'm not going to be successful until I have X, Y, and Z, right? Whether those are jobs or lines in your resume or a certain amount of money or a house or whatever, it's like I think if you are out here and you are playing the game, you are auditioning, you are uh, keeping your head above water financially, being able to pay your bills, you're living the dream. That's that's a success. You know how many people out there don't do that because they're scared, because their their parents wouldn't let them do it, because um. Because they, they, they don't have the, the financial means to come out here. Like, if you're out here playing that game, if you're, out, if, we're, if you're playing the game wherever you are, that's a success. And I think you've just got to kind of reevaluate that the higher and higher you get, the, yeah. more, the more work you do. I also want to expound on what you just said about coming at it from a, pa- a place of um, sort of constantly feeling like you're not there. Yeah. You know, I don't remember how, exactly how you just put it, but it sort of puts you in a, a state of you're sort of in this negative feedback loop. It's like, yeah, you're not exactly, you're not successful right now. So you have that sort of attitude, which means you're not successful, <laughs> you know? So you're not successful because you're telling yourself you're not successful, which is just going to make you uh-huh. take that on. Yeah. Not being successful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like you're um, digging your own non-successful grave. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there, you know, how many studies are out there saying that you are the thoughts that you think about most of the time, right? You know, that is what you are, that your life will come into alignment based around the thoughts you hold in your head most of the time. So it's like, if you're constantly saying, I'm not a success, I'm not a success. Really interesting question. Really great question. Yeah. Fantastic question. Yeah. Um, so we have a, a um, or I, I guess that's about, that's about all we have that's time for. I think for, we're out of time. Yeah. We yeah, got to roll in this interview. So we have another voicemail and some other emails. We'll get to them um, next week uh, when we get to part two of Taryn's interview. But enjoy part one. Um, this whole interview is just freaking fantastic. This is a self-made actor right here. So um, enjoy. guys, welcome back. We are sitting here with Taryn O'Neill, someone we're very excited to have on the podcast because um, Taryn has been one of those people that's been really active in the new media community. There's a few people that are kind of emerging as like those, those kind of like, dare I use the word star, like people who are very prolific in that kind of community and you are definitely one of them. So we're thrilled to have you here. Thank you. I'm so, so happy to here. be here. So, um, as you know, this is a podcast where we're just going to interview industry people and try and get like the lowdown on where they started, you know, what their, their artistic journey has been like and, and where maybe they want to go. So let's start at the very beginning. Um, we just said right before we started recording that you were an ice skater. So I want the whole story here. What's, um, what's going on? Like, where did you grow up in LA or? No, no, I grew up in Vancouver, Canada and my mom was a, my mom was a figure skater. So she used to bring me to the rink when I was three years old and I used to like sit on the, uh, uh, the bench outside the music room and eat my, my peanut butter sandwiches and watch her skate. And so I got on maybe even younger. And so I put on my first pair of skates when I was three and, uh, skated until I was 16 and I blew up my knees, but I ended up being, uh, an ice dancer and I skated with somebody who went on to be a time Canadian national champion and two time world bronze medalist and Olympic team member. His name was Victor Kratz and he was incredibly talented. So, wow. yeah, it was really cool. Uh, ice dancing was very theatrical. I was, um, I was not the best single skater. Like I was really creative and really artistic, but my jumps would suck. 
So when I finally got partnered up, ice dancing wise, which is really hard to do to like find a dude who was tall, who could skate. And um, Victor came from Switzerland and and he moved to Canada. So I started skating with him and we trained in Montreal. And uh, wow, it was awesome. So until 16, when you, you kind of stopped because of an injury. Yeah, I blew and out then, my knees. And then, so what, what, where did the acting thing come in? Or was this acting something you always wanted to do? Yeah, I acted when I was uh, younger. My first play was Oliver, and I was the Artful Dodger. All <laughs> I was right. 10. And I totally got the bug then. Uh, I mean, it was in front of like 400 people, and the whole school shut down, you know, for the week of production. And, and I totally got the bug then. So when I stopped skating, I just sort of naturally went to, uh, uh, it was part of my, school's choir and then the you know drama program so i did a bunch of theater in high school and then in college so this was something that was kind of always on your radar yes performing cool yeah and so when you stopped um ice skating or ice dancing i'm not not sure if i'm using the the right word um (laughs) when you stopped doing that was this just like the next natural thing or was there another option on the table or like Um, what, what happened between then and los angeles uh, I never uh, thought that I should be an actor. Uh, being an actor seemed like a very counterproductive choice. Um, I was lucky to be um, sort of gifted academically. So I always wanted or thought I should be a lawyer, investment banker. Um, my parents were very supportive and uh uh, hard on me, actually, uh, you know, because I would do very well in school, and so they would push me to, you know, I was valedictorian of my high school. Um, so they wanted me to sort of utilize um, the opportunities afforded to me um, as an academic as opposed to as a performer. So acting for me was just something that I love to do, expressing myself, et cetera, et cetera. So I never thought of acting uh, as a career choice when I was younger. Hmm. Hmm. When did that... Um switch flip for you um or has it (laughs) (laughs) no it it definitely did uh i think it it switched it switched in college um it switched when i spent a semester out here in la um i was an econ major at duke um but i was studying theater i had ended up getting a minor in drama and in film and uh, film and video so i came out here and i spent a semester at usc studying film and i interned at gersh and cool. I interned on the talent floor during pilot season. So it was this incredibly fascinating experience to see what the life of an actor would be. And I'd see so many actors, you know, coming into the office and complaining that they weren't getting enough auditions, they weren't getting enough work, and and this whole life just seemed so intriguing to me. And I thought that um, I came to, out to L.A. to figure out if I wanted to be, you know, an agent or a producer or something, because I thought maybe I could marry art and commerce, and maybe being an agent would be um, the best thing for that. Uh, but I totally fell in love with the idea of being an actor. And I'd been acting all through, you know, through college, and so when I went back my senior year at Duke, um, two of my friends produced uh, a feature film called Summer's Gone that they shot on film and they raised money for, and I had like a supporting part, and I'm like, this is going to get into Sundance, and this is going to get me discovered, and and it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the experience definitely prompted me to to move back to L.A. The problem was I just couldn't pursue acting uh, yet because I didn't have a green card. Oh, oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so I had to actually... um, the only visas I could get were uh, business visas. So I uh, worked, uh, my first job was at William Morris. Wow. And I was an agent's assistant there. And then I was a junior talent manager, both uh, on the lit and the talent side at a Canadian studio called Alliance Atlantis. 
Right on. And then I got to a point where it was turning into a career, and I said, screw it. And I'm like, life is too short. I really want to give this acting thing a go. I feel like I have so much perspective and so many connections. Um, and so I basically gave my notice and moved back to Vancouver to, um, to study a bit, but to try to build a resume up there. Because I, resume. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but it was just unfortunate timing because it was right around 9-11 and all production just basically yeah. shut down. Yeah. Uh, but also I, I was a sucky actor and I didn't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there was a lot of learning to be done. Right on. Taryn, you're going to have to explain something to me. Yeah. Um, you, I know this isn't cause and effect, which is why I think I, I think there's more to it. You said that you were in these rooms when people were coming in to audition for pilots, and all you heard was actors complaining about not working, and that's what inspired you to become an actor? <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was just that um, I, I felt like... I, it wasn't uh, it wasn't audition rooms. It was actually uh, the agency. So clients would be coming in moaning to their uh, to their agents that they weren't getting enough auditions. Even worse, <laughs> right? But I think it was like that challenge where I'm like, you know what? I am such a passionate actor, and I'm a smart girl, and I can understand this industry and not get emotionally involved, you know, and take things personally, and and I have a lot to give, and and. You know, I can make this work. I can sort of overthink this system. And I think it was sort of an analytical as opposed to an emotional mm. response to these people, you know, coming in where I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're just whining. Don't whine. Wow. In your opinion, um, is that is that something that you see sabotages actors? All the time. The, just that they get way too emotionally involved in... Well, no, I think it's important to get emotionally involved because that's what, uh, as an actor, I think... Uh, that's one of the skill set that is is incredibly important is the fact that you can emotionalize everything that you can feel deeper and greater than sort of the average Joe walking down the street. That's mm-hmm. that's where people connect with you on screen. Uh, you're willing to sort of rip your heart out and stomp on it and show everybody. Um, but I think that there's a lot of people who let that then seep into the business side of it. Yeah. And so it's such a hard, fine line to draw where it's like being this emotional vessel for characters, yet being um, sort of a detached, business-savvy artist. Mm-hmm. That's, a tough, that's the, probably the toughest divide that I think every actor struggles with. I'm yeah. a Gemini, so yeah. I'm good. You're good. Oh, no, I, was, <laughs> I was just about to ask how, how successful you think you've been at, at that, Taryn. I mean, uh, having that analytical mind, or I should say keeping your analytical mind about you. Uh, when this business can be, you know, kind of tough. Well, you know, I don't think I, I did it very well for a while. When I was um, when I was just acting, I was I was repped by um, anonymous. Like I had a big manager and I had a big agent up in Vancouver, and I was sort of jumped over those those beginning uh, steps that most actors take, where you're going out for co-star parts, and they just threw me out there, and they're like, "You're going for series regular and guest star," and I wasn't ready wow. yet. Um, I thought I was like intellectually, I was ready, but sort of my, for lack of a better term, instrument definitely wasn't ready. And I don't think maybe emotionally, because I was putting so much into it, I'd given up so much, you know, on the business side of it, mm-hmm. on on the career side of it, because uh, a lot of people sort of expected me to move towards more of a studio job. Um, so I think at first, when 
um, I wouldn't be booking jobs or I wouldn't be getting callbacks. I was always on my manager's assistants or my agents following up and being like, oh, did you see this breakdown? Like trying to be a business entrepreneur person where they're like, dude, we're doing our job. Let us do your job. Do our job. Um, don't annoy us. Don't harass us. And I look back now and I'm like, I totally was harassing them. Hmm. That's not good. <laughs> um, and so I think it was only until I was able to sort of use that aspect of my personality uh, as a producer and as a writer that now I sort of just let the acting thing happen. I don't over try to control it. I don't overanalyze it. I'm like, I'm a performer. I'm trying to brand myself in a certain way. People know my work. You know, they usually want to, or, you know, a lot of times I'm lucky they want to work with me again. And I'm like, I'm just going to put all my energy into producing and writing right now and keep my instrument as tuned as I can. And besides that, I can't control it. And right. so it's been a lot. I'm uh, so much happier than I was. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I can't even tell you. I was miserable. Like when I'd be up for like four jobs um, towards the end, right before my manager and my agent dropped me. And I was up for a job on Watchmen and Supernatural. And it was amazing. And then I didn't book any of them. And I'm like, whoa, okay. I got to start again. When's the next audition? And I'm like, this friggin' sucks. So, so that's, that, that kind of led you into the path the right now, which is because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was reading your, your blog and you write a lot about the kind of do it yourself aspect yeah. of, of things. So how, I mean, so, so back up just a sec, how long have you been in LA then? Um, I've been in LA on and off for about 10 years. On and off. Yeah. So I was here for a couple years on the business side and then I was back in Vancouver. Uh, and then I moved back, um, after I got married. And so I moved back, I got my green card, and then I was able to start pursuing acting full-time. Um, and then I was kind of back and forth because I had an agent in Vancouver and a representation down here. So I was sort of back and forth auditioning, working. Um, and then I've been back pretty much full-time for about three years. Wow. That's when I got back into when I got into new media, which was about three years ago. Wow. And you've done some great stuff. I mean, I feel like Thank every you. time I turn around, I'm seeing some clip on Black Box TV <laughs> or, you know, on the uh, streamies or whatever. Or, like, you've, you've, been, you've done a ton of stuff. Like, I was checking out Compulsions the other day, the, the yeah. web series you did with Bernie, Sue, Sue. and... And uh, Nathan Atkinson, Craig, Craig Frank, Craig and Frank. all those like all those guys, and it was so incredibly well done. And I was I was kind of under the impression before I'd seen that of, of like, yeah, you know, there's a lot, there's like this do-it-yourself community, and and these actors are, you know, like they're doing stuff, but like that was like full-on like television show quality. Like it was incredible how good it looked, how well it was put together, how well thought out it was. Um, it's Bernie and and Nathan did an yeah. absolutely amazing job. Um, yeah. it, it was like going to a professional. Fi- it was actually one of the more um, professional and large sets that I've gone to that I've worked on in web. Mm-hmm. Like they really, they really pulled out all the stops. And I think what shows on the screen is is what they wanted to capture. That was one of the things when I saw it for the first time. I'm like, wow, what I envisioned when I read it, and so rarely happens. They captured it, and even bet like it's even better than I thought it could be. Yeah. Um, Every element, and it wasn't just like the director and the writer, uh, it was every element. The DP was amazing, and the sound guy, and all the other actors. And yeah. I'm really proud of what they did and what we did. Yeah, it looked beautiful. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about then? Like you said, about three years ago is when you started to have that kind of paradigm shift, and you thought, yeah. you know what, I'm going to get into making this happen for myself. 
Um, but you, you, you wear several different hats. Yes. So what has that process been like going from somebody who knew a little, you know, knew the business side, but then had to learn all this other stuff within production? Right. Uh, like, you I'm know, still on, learning. I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think that it was sort of a, a quick 180 degree switch. It kind of transitioned while I was up in Vancouver and had a lot of time on my own. I, I used to be a consultant at TVI Actors Studio. Oh, right on. So I used to career coach actors. And, cool. and I basically told them, I'm like, listen, I need to be up in Vancouver auditioning. So I, I quit my job and I'd been working uh, at books and big commercials. So I was able to support myself. Um, which is how I still support myself. But I was up there and I had all this time on my hands. So when I wasn't auditioning, um, I started collaborating with this writer-director who I had done a short film for. And his name is Mike Davies. He's the creator of After Judgment and Hurtling Through Space at yeah. an Alarming Rate. Um, and so we started working on some projects, brainstorming, just uh, you know, over iChat, over video chat when I was up there. And it just kind of evolved into him sending me these episodes for After Judgment. And I read them and I went, Wow, um, send me more. And he ended up sending me 40, and there were still more 40, 40 episodes. <laughs> and I told awesome. him, and I'm like, we're shooting this as soon as we get back, as soon as I get back. Because the other project we were working on had gotten too big. Uh-huh. It's kind of a superhero sci fi type show. And I'm like, there's no way we can finance this as a short ourselves or anything more. But this After Judgment thing, this web series thing, this is really interesting. So I'm a huge research freak, and I basically got online and started researching and tried to figure out everybody I knew who was working in web, um, what were the web series that were out there, what were the trends, um, you know, basically trying to educate myself about it. And then when I came back, um, we shot. Wow. Wow. So what's that been? So... So that the was start, the start. That was the start. That was the start. Of it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, was this just kind of been an osmosis process yes. for you? You just kind absolutely. Of- well, my agents dropped me then when I got back to Vancouver, um, mm-hmm. and it was like at the same time right away. And I was like, "This is fantastic. Thank you." <laughs> uh, but luckily, I have these uh, phenomenal commercial uh, agents who just you know who kept me busy, and I just threw myself into After Judgment because I was like, you know what? I, unless this happens. My acting career is done. I kind of knew that. Um, I kind wow. of knew that this was... People had always told me they thought I would make it as an actor, um, not through the traditional channels, like not through auditioning, that somehow utilizing my experience in the business, my producer brain, my business brain, that somehow would bring me around to getting success as an actress. Even my mom would tell me that. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go and audition and I'm going to book this part and, you know, I'm going to be a series Mm -hmm. regular in a year and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't want to hear it then, but I look back now and I'm like, it's funny how people have perspective on you and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you can't see yourself. Um, Yeah. So I just kind of threw myself into it and mined all my resources and was incredibly passionate about what uh, the episodes were looking like and sort of hired a blogger to try to like educate me about, you know, blogging in the viral world and, and, uh, what all the big, like I, I love sci-fi, but I didn't know the sci-fi communities online at all. I just liked fat, you know, sci-fi fantasy books and TV shows. I had no experience whatsoever with like the online world. Mm-hmm. And so a lot's changed obviously. In the yeah. So you've, you've really embraced the kind of new media, yes. uh, thinking not I mean, with blogs and tw- you know, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all that. So that's very, very cool. I used to be very private. I, people would say, get on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, no. Right. No, MySpace right. was like, ooh, really? No. Yeah. 
yeah. But uh, Facebook was big in Canada before it was big uh, down here. So my friends up there were telling me to get on it. So that's what prompted me to actually explore it before a lot of people knew what it was down here. Wow. Not that I'm busy or prolific on Facebook at all. It sort of is a necessary evil. I do love Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and blogging. Blogging was a huge, was a huge um, kind of like a barrier to cross because mm-hmm. you really put yourself out there. There's no veil. There's no performance. There's no character. It's just you. It's your voice. It's your idiosyncrasies. It's your your you know craziness. Your weirdness. It's um, putting your thoughts and ideas on paper in a very unstylized form. Mm-hmm. So, and they've definitely sort of evolved in their content. Yeah. But yeah. So the wearing, I'm, I'm curious because I think <clears throat> that the, when actors start to get the itch to start creating their own stuff, especially nowadays when you can do it and your, your project can look so good and you can have more or less equal distribution channels, um, you know, with, with a lot of studios and, and TV shows and things like that. I mean, we're not, you're not going to get, placement. you're not going to get yeah. options, but not placement. But I mean, you have the same access to your audience more or less. I mean, you, you both can put your stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. I think that the, pro- the producer hat is a scary one for a lot of actors to look at. You know, like making the transition from I am an actor, a kind of reactive role where it's like you give me the script, you tell me, you know, how you want to do the scene and I will help tell the story that way to going to somebody who's like in charge of things. Especially when you got like things like cameras and lighting and sound and script supervision and things like that. What has that been like for you? I mean, has that been, I mean, like you said, you had some experience with that, but has that been daunting for you? And if at all, how did you kind of learn to get around that? Um, it's still, it's still daunting. There's still so many things that I don't know. I think that, um, one thing that's really helpful ultimately is that, this community, the web community in general, the new media community, is very supportive. So if you're willing to show that you know you don't know everything and ask for assistance or help, um, that sort of honesty and openness uh, will be, I don't want to use the word rewarded, but mm. you know, you'll be helped. So you know, I think that a lot of people maybe misconstrue the idea of being a producer, and especially a female producer, means that you have to be a bitch. Um, yeah, you have to get things done. Um, so I'm sure there's times when myself or um, my other uh, writing producing partner, Stephanie, um, where we've you know seemed quite enough assertive. Of assertive. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I just think you take you sort of take it project by project because the term producer is so nebulous. I mean, I prefer to be an executive creative producer. I like getting my hands sort of dirty in the in the creative process in in bringing interesting people on the project and sort of molding it and forming it and and then in the post production of it sort of figuring out the marketing scheme sort of the the bigger picture i always mm-hmm. like the macro view of things mm-hmm. um, i'm a horrible line producer horrible you know i hate budgets and i hate um, sort of all the logistics of that you got to do it i mean when i was doing hurdling through space i was in vancouver 2 days early for my brother's wedding and I was a bridesmaid, and so I was on my U.S. cell phone in Canada roaming, you know, dealing with all this casting bullshit and contracts and, you know, union stuff and this and that and camera packages. At like, And I was driving my parents' massive suburban the day after the wedding, going to four different um, gear locales to, like, pick up, 
you know, all the different gear packages. Yeah. And it's just me in my cute little outfit, you know, like, t- and, and not knowing what some of the equipment was. You know, and so I learned really quickly yeah. because I hate looking stupid. That's one of my pet peeves. Uh-huh. I really hate looking stupid, especially in front of like crew, the guy, you know, sure. I like to be able to be one of the guys. I don't like actors who sort of show up on set and they're like, <laughs> okay, well, we're just going to go back. You know, if it's for your character, you have to do that for your character. But sure. other times, you know, it, it's good to sort of recognize the importance of the crew and sort of be one of them at least. For yeah. A bit. Yeah. I think um, Mark Gant talked about this in his interview where he was just like, he didn't know, like he, he t- told a story <laughs> where he was like prop master on Volcano uh-huh. and he had like 12 people under him that all had more experience than he did. And he didn't know what to do. And they were like, can you go hang this, these drapes? And he was like, sure. So, so how would you do it? <laughs> that was like his way of learning without yeah. trying to kind of look stupid. Because I know totally what you mean with this, this stu- the looking stupid thing. And I think that's that's an obstacle for a lot of actors is because they do- they want to get started doing this stuff, but they're intimidated by all the things they don't know. Right. And everything from I don't know how to do this to I don't know what the hell that metal thing is over there. You know, like what do, what, what do you call that? Like Actors are resourceful. I mean, you just have to be resourceful and creative and entrepreneurial if you're on set because find the person that you have like the best relationship with that can be kind of, if you don't know everything that can be, you can, you know, the whisperer to you where you're like, what's that? What's that? You know, um, do your research before you get to set. Know as much as you can about sort of production terms. Um, Mm -hmm. If we're just talking about set etiquette and stuff like that, um, do your research. I mean, there's so, as an actor, you usually, if it's a specific character, you're going to do research on that character. Um, If you're going to be a producer, do research on what a producer does. Just like if you're going to be in new media, do research. There's so many people who are like, oh, I'm going to do a web series. And you say something like, oh, in the guild, what's the guild? And you're like, oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, please do research. Yeah. Yeah. I was being a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, it's kind of ironic that, uh, that, you know, there's all that, that fear that you were talking about, Trevor, that comes along with, um, stepping outside of the actor role and into one of these other hats because so much of act, like, I feel like so much of, of, uh, acting in terms of what you were saying earlier, Taryn, about bearing your soul is about being sort of fearless you know, kind of busting through any um, inhibitions you might have. Yeah. So it's like it's just kind of doing it in a different way, um, more uh, logistically than artistically, maybe. Yeah, that's actually a really nice metaphor. That's really yeah. nice. Because, like, for acting, for me, I know that the – I think compulsions actually was, was in a way a breakthrough for me because for years I had done in class – I used to train with Cameron Thor, and he would throw me trauma drama like no tomorrow – there was oh I was always like the the crazy monsters ball scene or something like that, yet I had this this conflict of image where everything I'd go out for was this very sort of you know ingenue princess type and so I was doing these really gritty you know roles that I could just bring my emotionality to and then I would have these very well written roles that I didn't know what to do with because I'm like well I can't cry so how am I going to make this role interesting and I would overthink things and never think that I was enough just to sort of, Mm. you know, make some choices and and then just bring myself. And I know that when I finally had the opportunity to do the role on compulsions and I had to audition for it um, a couple times, um, it was a really cathartic experience because I realized I'm like, I love going to these evil, dark places. And I made some specific choices about the character that I didn't think were in the script where she was more of a fighter. I 
didn't want to play just a victim who was like, you know, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Sure, There's sure. a reason she was doing what she was doing. Mm-hmm. There's a reason she was captured. She has a duplicitous nature to her. Her She's hiding something. She has a secret. So the way that it would work for me is if she could really fight. Like, I'm like, I'm going to kick Craig Frank's ass in this scene. Even though I'm tied to a chair and even though he has a belt, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to kick his ass. Yeah. And uh, I think I kind of did. Well, <laughs> equally. <laughs> you know, and, but uh, one of the things I remember telling my husband, I was like, you know what? If, if this doesn't translate on camera, if this doesn't come across like what I felt happened or, you know, remembered, I'm like, I'm done. Because those are sort of the roles that I want to play. And if that doesn't come off, like it wasn't a perfect performance. There were some, some little tiny beats where I was pushing a bit too much. And I'm like, oh, I wish I'd seen it. I like to see dailies. Mm-hmm. I can pull it back just a bit and yeah. relax into it just a little bit more. But I was very happy when, when it came across that way. And I think that gave me the permission to start playing those darker, edgier characters. And that's sort of when I kind of went on I created my Operation Babe Tumblr where I'm like, I just want to play these really dark, tormented characters. That's what intrigues me. I want to show those journeys. I don't want to play the perfect leading girl anymore or try to play those characters. That's boring. Yeah. Yeah, right on. And so in that, like in having that fearlessness, that's when I finally felt, you know, as an actor that I sort of come into my own. And I think that that can translate into the business side as well. If yeah. you're just so passionate about something and you've researched and you're educated, you don't want to like blow in, blow into a room and just, you know, be a bunch of hot air. Right. Right. I think it's worth noting here that you're kind of in a way, um, providing the antithesis to a, a discussion that we just had in a previous episode with, um, one of our previous guests, uh, James Lee O'Ryan, who was talking a lot. He, he spent a lot of time talking about type. And it actually kind of blew my mind a little bit because he was talking about um, walking into the room as his type. Like he was sort of like, as uh, as you have been recently, going in for like these dar- darker brooding roles, kind of like the, the junkie or the um, surfer dude, kind of the, you know, I don't know, ne'er-do-well. And he would sort of go into the room like as his type and then it wasn't until after the audition that he sort of break type and like and reveal like, himself to the be a nice guy yeah so, that the, so <laughs> yeah. that the people on the other side of the table knew that like he could actually be um personable on to set to work with right yeah and you're talking about playing against type and this whole like, notion of type we've actually had this discussion a couple of times over the last couple of episodes some of our listeners have um wrote in and, and called in and asked us questions about this this exact um subject matter and it's just so fascinating to me because just like the whole web model is blowing up television um in that same way it's blowing up everything that goes along with that whereas on television if there's like a very if there's a role they're looking for in 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 a lot of cases and i don't want to be i don't want to grossly exaggerate but in a lot of cases um you have to have a look regardless of of talent so they end up casting somebody who may not be quite as good of an actor, but they look more the part, right? Um, as opposed to now, where it's like you're the, <laughs> you you're the one renting the camera equipment, so why can't you be you know play against That's type? Really interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's sort of yeah. I mean everything is is exploding when it comes to this whole you know new media thing. That's it's, it's like television and everything that goes along with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think there's a. Uh, there's an issue of, of type and there's an issue uh, issue of branding. 
um, because type, I think, is very two-dimensional, where branding is very four, uh, three-dimensional, I guess. Um, I used to talk about type a lot when I was a consultant at TVI, and uh, I preached it a lot. I was like, okay, you have to find your type because everybody starts from a co-star character type. Even like Jennifer Garner, she used to play the bookish nerdy girl. Now she's leading Lady Alias, you know, at the time. Um, but she started out with a specific type, and she got really good at doing that. I think that's really viable when it comes to TV. Um, do I think I would have had the opportunity to rebrand myself when I had no leverage in the TV world? No. I did go in for some badass hunter, like supernatural type parts, and they're like, oh, she was really good, but she, um, she's just kind of the girl next door. She's just like the pretty young wife or something. Yeah, we just don't see it. And I'd be like, fuck you. Sorry. <laughs> they're like, no, that's the type of role that I want to play. That's what like gets me going. If I'm going to like, you know, bust my ass on set, that's the character that I want to, those t- the type of characters that I want to play. I want to get down and dirty, you know, in some kind of character. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, I've been very fortunate to rebrand myself in that now when people in the web world think, oh, we need a badass girl, they automatically, well, I don't want to assume that, but I've been told they think of me. Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't, that, I mean, that kind of makes me laugh now because I'm like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, I figured out right. what really spoke to me as an actor, and uh, I started my Operation Babe blog. But Babe start, stands for Badass Alien Fighting Body Endeavor. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's not about being a babe. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I, you know, if I'm going to play, if I want to play those type of parts, that I'm going to chronicle the narrative journey of me physically trying to change myself to be. Um, taken more seriously as that character, but also kind of go through that process of it. So mm-hmm. I think that, and then I got pictures done by the Bowie brothers, and God, the second that those went up, people were like, oh, awesome, because they were so different. They yeah. were so mean and, and sad and vicious, and there was no makeup. There was just fake blood, and there was sweat, and it was at the end of a 12-hour shoot, and my hair was awful, and I'm like, again, I love looking just not pretty. Right on. (laughs) Good for you. Welcome back, guys. Hope you dug part one of our interview with Taryn O'Neill. Part two is coming at you next week. And that about does it for episode 34. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have a couple shout-outs we wanted to squeeze in here before we wrap up this episode. Um, because we, we started doing our, our monthly subscription um, thing <laughs> a couple episodes ago. And we've had a couple people jump on board. And it's so cool to have that. To, to know that we provide a continuing kind of value to people yeah definitely so uh we we want to give you guys a shout out and we're also we've been putting our heads together recently for like what we want to do for these people who are sort of like patrons of the podcast because we've had you know some really awesome one-time donations and now we're starting to have people you know um sort of subscribe yeah i mean a recurring donation a recurring donation support um which is amazing um, so we're putting our heads together right now. We're going to come up with something. The, the best we can do for now is just give you our, our um, typical shout-out, which um, uh, uh, hopefully does something to go uh, uh, at least a little ways towards letting you know how thankful we are yeah. for everything you guys are doing. 
We want to be able um, to give something back to you for your for your gift. Yeah. So, so we're working on it. We're working on that. Um, in the meantime, we have two people who have um, signed up for the recurring donations. Um, mm-hmm. Matt Wilder. Matt Wilder. Right? Matt yeah. Wilder's one. Um, so thank you for that, Matt. Uh, really appreciate he's it. He's been on the podcast quite a bit. Yeah. He's a really, really loyal <laughs> listener. Definitely. Yeah. Just like uh, Evelyn. Yeah. Um, and the second one, what is her name again? Denise. Denise Fleener. Denise Fleener. Yeah. Um, so thank you both. Very cool. So much. It, uh, it's like amazing. We, we, we put that up there, you know, hoping that people might dig that as a, a an easier way to kind of, um, get their no- donations in and, and, uh, you guys have, uh, decided to jump on board with that. Yeah. So really appreciate it. And we're also putting our heads together. I mean, we haven't talked about this yet, but we have a producer on board now. Uh, our friend Nelson is actually helping us out, helping us produce this podcast, Yeah, which is huge because we have, we've been talking the, the three of us and we've been thinking about taking the podcast in some additional directions. And we're really excited because we have some support coming in from you guys. We have a producer on board to help us out. Nelson's been awesome. So, um, I think there are going to be some exciting things in the next few months for us. Yeah. Well, and remember, for you guys, we do it for you. So <laughs> remember when I was saying, uh, my, with my pick of the week, um, when it was crush it, I uh-huh. said it was kind of a meta recommendation because I was applying a lot of it to the podcast. And that's exactly what I was talking about is that we've got a lot of really awesome ideas, um, you know, uh, coming up and, uh, a lot of them are being spurred on by, uh, these, these books and these picks of the week that we're, that we're consuming and also the fact that we've just recently brought on uh, a producer and are really sort of um, trying to take the podcast to the next level. Um, and, you know, appropriately enough, we are right on the cusp of our uh, one-year mm-hmm. anniversary. So stay tuned for that. There's some exciting stuff. Um, we're just, it's funny because we're just, we're like, right before we start recording every time, we're like, should we tell them about this at this point? We're just kind of like slowly yeah. rolling this stuff out, slowly rolling, giving you a little really? taste here and there. So... Uh, thank you guys. And if you want to get in touch with us, uh, tell us your, uh, auditioning, maybe not horror stories, but you know, when you were uncomfortable in auditions, please get in touch with us. You know how to do that. We've got our website at insideactingpodcast.com. We can leave a comment on the website. You can also call us at our voicemail, which is one, two, one, three, two actors. It's one, two, one, three, two, 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 eight, six, seven, seven. You can shoot us an email at inside acting podcast at gmail.com. We've got our Twitter account, twitter.com slash inside acting or our individual Twitter accounts. I'm at twitter.com slash digital actor. I'm at twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. We've got the Facebook page. Just do a search for inside acting on Facebook. Um, of course, head on over to actorrated.com. Um, and support those guys. Um, not only can you uh, check us out there, but you can check out a bunch of other services there. They've been really great. And yeah. uh, while you're there, write us a review. Yeah. You can also write us a review. In iTunes, um, a little five-star review would be great. The more the more and better reviews we have there, the, the better our chances of getting featured on the front page, which is just a, a goal of mine. Yeah, mine too. Of all podcasts. It's pure ego. It's just pure ego. We're on the front page of iTunes. Yeah. Um, uh, one new thing that we recently added, I think, I can't remember if we talked about this last week, but we recently added a dig profile. So that, oh, yeah. So um, dig.com recently went through um, a, a big overhaul 
lots of updates. And one of the cool things about it now is that you can follow people on Dig the same way that you follow people on, say, Twitter or iTunes Ping or, you know, all these other social networking sites. And um, what it will do is it will allow you guys to see what we're reading. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be trolling Dig and the internet at large for interesting stories in the entertainment industry. And we will post them to our Dig account. And so if you follow us on dig.com slash inside acting, you'll be able to see what we see. You'll be able to read what we're reading, um, which I think will be a very cool way to, you know, have this discussion continue even when we're not on the, uh, uh, on the podcast, you know, in this format. And last, but certainly not least, of course, uh, you can donate. We just talked about this with people doing the recurring donations. Um, but uh, if you go to our website, InsideActingPodcast.com, on the right-hand side, there's a little donate button. We also have the uh, recurring donations there, um, anywhere from 3 to $20 a month, depending on what you uh, would like to contribute. Any little bit helps. If you want to send us a penny, a dollar, $5, whatever it is, it's going to go a long way towards making this a better podcast for you guys. And we've got some really, really exciting things in the pipeline that are really, really expensive. So <laughs> if you would like well to help put. us, yes, if you would like us to, if you'd like to help us achieve that, um, uh, we would be uh, very much appreciative of that because yeah. um, you know a lot of it's going to start coming out of our pockets here pretty soon. <laughs> oh, it already it already does. I mean, you know, we spend a lot on gas and uh, file hosting and the time that goes into this. I take you a segue personally. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I'm terrified of falling off cliffs. Well, for episode 34 of Inside Acting, I think that about does it. My name is Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week, and in the meantime. Stay away from segways. <laughs> <laughs>